On today's show, repair versus replace. Hey guys, Weldon Long here. Listen, before we get started today, I have a very special announcement. I have partnered with EGIA and the Contract University to create the ultimate HVAC sales system. This is not sales training. It is the comprehensive sales system that I have used in my companies and my clients' companies for 20 years. I like to say it's kind of like hiring me as your sales manager. I create the scripts and the presentations for lead coordination and the entire sales process. We customize it for you. I create your pricing models. I create your menu-based price cards that we use to present to the homeowners. I also do ongoing sales tracking and sales coaching for your entire team. Like I said, I essentially become your fractional sales manager, and I can implement this program whether you have an existing sales manager or not. Now listen, here's the important part. There are only 10 spots available in this program. After all, I can't manage hundreds of sales teams at the same time. This is what we call a We Do It For You program. All you have to do is to sit back, let me create your sales system from beginning to end, and watch the new system sales come in. Now, if you want to get more information information on this, go to mycontractuniversity.com forward slash ultimate or call David Delgado at the number below. Today we have a special segment from Gary Ellix, Drew Cameron, and myself, Weldon Long. We launch our repair versus replace course this month, and as usual, we like to give out a little taste of the content for free. Weldon Long here, one of the founding faculty members here at Contract University at EGIA. Welcome to this special broadcast of the Service Technician Repair versus Replace Rules of Engagement. With me today, my other two founding faculty members, the legend, the man, the myth, the icon, I get him so confused, Mr. Drew Cameron and Mr. Gary Ellix. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing? Really? Good to see you. Welcome to Colorado Springs. Good morning. Nice I know, to be GDA, here. you've been here for a couple of days. Indeed. Uh, setting new records on the amount of content that you're creating because you're on a mission to create content at a higher level, a better level, a more consistent level than anybody else on the planet, and by God, you've done it. I'm just working to be like Drew, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very pleased to have these two guys in town uh, doing some work for EGIA Contract University, and we're going to be talking about a very important topic today, and that is the repair versus replace conversation. Over the course of his 40-year career, Gary has done a ton of work on this topic in terms of, you know, kind of deciding what are the rules of engagement. When do you have the conversation? Why do you have the conversation? And of course, how do you have the conversation? So this series of videos will be a five-video series, and we'll be talking about the basics from introducing yourself of how to have the conversation with homeowners, about when to have the conversation uh, with homeowners, how to make recommendations, and everything you need to know to be effective in the repair versus replace conversation. But fellas, before we get started, uh, just comment for a few seconds, if you would, about the importance of really having a standard for when we have the conversation. Gary, if you want to comment on that, and then, you know, why the conversation is so important. Yeah, uh, so Wally, I think each company probably has to figure out what their standard is. I think that would be sort of bullet point one for me is standard operating procedures. Uh, we talked about Florida being very different than, say, Chicago, Illinois. You're going to have salt, so repair versus replace might come a little sooner in the life cycle of the equipment. So I think that's number one. And then the second thing is I think you just want to make sure that you have a conversation with your technicians about rules of engagement, what's appropriate, uh, how do we do business with customers based on the brand experience, the customer experience, what's the deliverable to the client where we're not crossing a boundary where clients feel like we're pressuring them to do something that may not be in their best interest. So for me, those are kind of the guidelines and then everything in between is really what we have to be talking about in these next five videos is how do we get organized. Awesome, awesome. And Drew, uh, talk to us a moment about how important the repair versus replace conversation is to the overall health of your business in terms of lead generation, revenue generation, et cetera. 
Yeah, I think based on what Gary said there, it's about, it comes down to customer experience. What do you want that customer experience to be? And in the past, it was, you know, get out there, service, repair, as, uh, and get the customer back online as fast as possible. And so servicing used to be high service. And I think today, education is now high service, right? Giving customers information so they can make informed and intelligent de uh, decisions. Whereas this equipment used to last forever, it's not designed to last as, you know, forever any, any longer, right? And so it actually peters out sooner uh, you know, than expected, I think, by most homeowner standards. And, and so nowadays, you know, you get above that, we were talking about on the coast, five to six years, everywhere else it's eight to 10. Uh, you know, you might think about this equipment's out, actually now disposable, right? <laughs> right? And, and so when you get into the, whatever that, you know, that benchmark is for your company based on your location and your customer objectives, as for that experience, I think you have to then decide, okay, well, how and when do we educate a customer, give them options, let them make the choices, and that is what I call high service. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, give them the options, give them the information, they'll make the right decision for themselves and their family. So gentlemen, let's jump right into the first video. Uh, the professional technician mindset and prep. When we're thinking about this whole conversation, what is kind of the mindset and the preparation that the service technician needs to engage in, I guess before they even get to the house, maybe in the vehicle on the way over there, or before they approach the door, what are some of the issues to consider there? Yeah, I just like the idea of treating it as uh, a nine-inning baseball game, and you know, so if we're running nine service calls a day, that would be a lot, of course. But the idea is um, each inning stands on its own, and so we want that to be a blank slate, a, you know, a blank white piece of paper, if you will. How do we want to treat the customer? So. If I am a technician or I'm in sales, um, unfortunately, I'm probably going to bring some personal biases into that equation, right? We all have them. Um, how I grew up, where I grew up, you know, how my parents treated me, et cetera. So I think the secret sauce for a technician is to really create that clean slate and try to organize the call around the company's standard operating procedure and figure out, as Drew said, what are we trying to do for the customer? What's in the best interest of the customer? And how do I do that and not allow my personal feelings, my personal biases, uh, my personal bank account, uh, what happened to me 15 minutes ago on a different call? Right. All of that stuff is, is baggage. And so we got to figure out how to put the rocks down and treat this customer with the courtesy, the respect, the professionalism, and the mindset, and that positivity that we want. So, I think that's hard. I, that's, we, we talk about it, it's easy to talk about it in a vacuum like this, yeah. but at the end of the day, it's pretty tough to do. So, but that's exactly what we're trying to train the technicians to understand. Yeah, and I think it's really important, and Drew, you might be able to comment on this as well, like the expectations of the service technician. I'm a big believer, I know you guys are too, that pretty much what we expect to happen is going to happen. Our expectations kind of dictate the outcomes on so many things because of confirmation bias and different things. But how important is it, Drew, for a technician as he or she is walking up to the house just before they knock on that door to, to visualize or imagine or think about great outcomes, expecting great things? Yeah, it's very important. I think your your mindset, as you've said, you know, many times over the years, is your mindset determines everything. It determines your life, right? And so it's going to certainly determine your experience as well as the customer's experience. And, and so if you're expecting a customer to kind of resist you and object and be a little standoffish, odds are that's probably what's going to happen. Somehow you're going to show up and you're going to present information in a certain way and you're going to trigger something with the customer, right? Yeah. But if you showed up at the door and say, listen, I want to give this customer a world-class customer experience, whatever that may be, and I'm going to allow them to kind of 
dictate what that is, and I'm going to follow a framework that you know we're going to talk about in future videos that allows me to give six repair options. Really, it's three repair options, but you know the, uh, they're also enhanced three times more by uh, extended warranty and maintenance, right? So it's it's repair, then it's repair plus another repair, and then it's you know it's a complete renovation, right? And then I enhance each of those with extended warranty and maintenance. And so six repair options, with the idea being is giving customers choices, options, not ultimatums, allows them the freedom to kind of explore what it is that they want for their life, their bank account, you know, the next several years, are they staying in the house, not staying in the house, and also allows them you know, to get to a place where I think at that top level of option, you know, the highest level of service that you can give, a cu your customer's probably gonna say, well, geez, how much would it cost to replace this thing? Right. And, and that's going to open that conversation. So by having a framework that allows you to be successful, going in with the right mindset of being successful, I think ultimately, one way or another, you're gonna be successful because the customer didn't call you to fail. Right. They want somebody to be successful, yeah. right? They want a great experience. You know, I've heard you say that before in your sales training that, and I think for, for comfort advisors, service technicians, any of us that go in the house, the, the homeowner actually wants somebody to win. Right? <laughs> They're not hoping everybody screws up. They're hoping somebody really blows them away and they can trust that person to, to, to do the work. Uh, Gary had mentioned the nine innings uh, earlier, mm -hmm. and you just talked about the ninth inning, making you know the, the, the six different options. Like, how important is it to kind of begin with the end in mind and be visualizing that ninth inning, even in, in the uh, while you're in the batter's box, right, in the first inning, how important is it to visualize, you know, that ninth inning and, and making those recommendations? I, I think it's ultra important. I mean, we, we use sports as an analogy in sales and business so often, and maybe almost too much, but visualization is is critical in anything that you do. Yep. You know, see yourself succeeding. See yourself having a, a healthy life. See yourself having a great you know, marriage and relationship. See yourself, you know, being a great parent and having great kids and providing a great you know, livelihood, having a great business, having great sales, having a great customer experience, right? I mean, anything that you do, I mean, you know, I, I visualize anytime I go to a restaurant, having a great experience with the server and the, mm -hmm. and the restaurant, it doesn't matter what, you know, the reviews are or what anybody else ever says about it. I mean, you're ultimately going to get what you expect, right? right? right. And so setting that expectation is visualization. Another thing that just kind of jarred my memory, I know in your sales training, you talk a lot about, yes, we have a, a selling process, but the homeowner has a buying process. How important is it for a technician to keep in mind the customer's needs, the customer's wants, the customer's desires? That's very important. I mean, that ultimately determines, I think, your pace of flow, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, the customer's going to, you know, as we talk about in the sales training uh, that we have online, uh, you know, building the, uh, you know, the, the position of trust, right? Some customers are going to be very trusting right out of the gate, and others are going to be, you know, very standoffish. And it's like, so they'll determine the pace, and so you just have to kind of feel that and go at their pace. Ultimately, the framework is going to always be the same. It just might be the timing and the pacing. Yeah, yeah. And, and so you have to, you know, somebody says, how long does it take to build trust? as long as it takes. Right, right. It's an organic process, right? Yeah. Uh, it, it grows the relationship according to the laws of nature. It's kind of like corn. You can go out and yell at a cornfield, grow faster, come on, you can do it, and motivate them and, and yell at them, and it's not gonna grow any faster, right? The relationship grows at its own pace. Uh, Gary, uh, I wanna talk to you about some of the biases that service technicians bring to the table. What are some of the biases that we might have that could undermine our success as we approach that call? Uh, age of the equipment, you know, not necessarily being a reason why somebody might want to invest in a different technology. Um, 
my personal, you know, uh, wallet not being very good. Right. So if that's the case, you know, people might not want to necessarily talk to somebody about a higher end system like an inverter system or a high efficiency heat pump. Um, the just kind of what I'm used to having experience in terms of service. Um, you know, customers that are maybe a little cranky. Um, you know, we we all have customers that are just a little cranky. Right. Um, so. How do I respond to that? So, you know, one of the core elements is you can't control what people do or how they do it, but you can control how you respond to it. And so I think there's a bias there that, well, you know, I mean, most of our customers are from New York City and, you know, they've moved down here to Florida and mm -hmm. they've got this attitude and, you know, that, that's a bias. Right. Okay. Now, totally. so is it true once in a while? Probably. But does it mean that it's true on this particular call? No, absolutely not. So I think there's a whole bunch of different biases. And so you could argue that uh, personal experiences and life experiences for each individual will create those biases. They'll create those uh, assumptions. And the first rule of sales that we always talk about is leave your biases and assumptions over here. Right. Let's, let's do the best we can to do that so that we're really working with people to figure out the needs what they want and what they desire. Really, who am I to decide? You know, my job is to educate, inform, put people in a position to make the very best decision for themselves. If I'm doing a good job of that, and I'm listening to you and coming to your guys' training and understanding how to do that, I'm probably gonna be a very successful technician in yeah. the long run, and this repair versus replace thing, it's gonna work for me. Right, you know, go ahead, real quick, a couple of their biases are like, you know, I can fix anything, you know, it's a challenge for me to fix anything. Custom, all customers, you know, want a cheap price. Right. All, you know, they want the cheap fix, they want it done, they want to be back in business, you know, as quickly as I possibly can. You know what, maybe I should just let them go buy the part and then I'll do that for them because <laughs> they can buy that cheaper. Right, there's all, there's all kinds of those biases that, you know, come with the older school, mostly, of, I shouldn't say. They're gonna yell at me for the price of this repair, so I'll do a second repair for free to gain fame. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, so, so those little things where you think you're doing a customer a favor, you know, you're really not because if you're not also doing your company a favor, everybody has to win. I mean, in this thing, right? So it's yeah. not that the customer just wins, everybody wins. You win, the company wins, the customer wins, yeah. and, and everybody wins. Well, and I, I think I mentioned earlier the, the topic of confirmation bias, yeah. and this is why this is so damaging, right? Confirmation bias is kind of a tendency we have as human beings that we see the information that confirms our core beliefs and we ignore information that challenges our beliefs. So if my core belief is people just want a cheap repair, uh, they don't even want to think about a new system, you know, or the price is the most important thing, then anything that that homeowner says, no matter how insignificant, if it confirms your bias, you'll notice it. Like, oh, I could just tell the way they said that they, they really want a cheap price, right? You're seeing what you want to see. Yeah. And then information that might come, uh, come up with the homeowner that might tend to show maybe they're, uh, as you talk about a lot, Gary, status buyers, right? The people that are going to buy the, the great solutions, they want a new system or whatever, those things you'll ignore, you won't even notice them because you're looking for things to confirm your expectations, which is why, as Gary talked about before, the expectations are so important. Uh, next topic I want to talk about that I, I've heard you both talk about before on sales calls and service calls is that each call is unique. And I guess that kind of plays into the bias too. You know, you got to leave that last call behind. Every, every situation is kind of, a, kind of a new slate, a new opportunity. Uh, Gary, uh, if you would comment first on that, just how important it is to approach every call with a clean slate. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, uh, primary and so you know we've got a group of questions and so you know you might have uh, your group of questions you've got your group of questions as a, as a company and so what we want is we want our technicians to follow the process if they if we have a process um, that's kind of a reset I mean so you know you, you talk about the reset button 
each call you would say, okay, great, you know, this, this customer might've yelled at me and might've been a difficult call. And so you don't want to bring that into the next call. You have to do a reset. We use triggers for that. That could be uh, audio, it could be music, it could be, we've got little three by five cards that you know, we give to the text to say, you know, remind you that the next call is your most important call because that one's over and you don't wanna let that affect how you're actually feeling or how you would represent the brand on the next call. And, and that's hard, but that's a training process. And so then the process of going through the asking questions and really engaging with clients, if you understand how important those questions are and how that brings information to you so that you can support education, um, that gets you in a position where you probably won't allow yourself to make an error at third base, but then when the inning's over, you're actually at bat. You're the first person that comes to bat. That happens so often in right. sports. And so if the error at third base is affecting you, <laughs> your at-bat's not gonna go well. So right. I mean, part of the sports training is you gotta, you gotta put the club in the bag, that shot's over, we're gonna go on to the next shot, you watch professional golfers, they all have a routine. Mm -hmm. And so this is a routine that we need to teach our technicians that that's a process. Right, kind of clear the cash, get ready for the next one. I've heard that a lot about professional athletes. They have to have the best ones have a short, a short memory. Yeah. You know? What do you think about that, Drew, in terms of starting every call with a clean slate? Well, recall is a clean slate, right? I mean, it's a new customer, it's a new house, it's a new system, you know, and well, there might be some similarities between the houses and the systems and what you hear from the customer. It is a very unique opportunity, and so we've been talking about sports, so why don't we go to the movie, uh, baseball movie, For Love of the Game with Kevin Costner, right? Clear the mechanism, right? That's a line he uses kind of, you know, from pitch to pitch. Right, he's clearing the mechanism because he's just making sure he's set up, he's tuned, he's dialed into you know to the catcher's mitt, and and the the, you know, the sound goes away from the fans, and he's just dialed in. And so, moment to moment, I talk about it in all my training, you have to be present in the moment because I don't have the last moment, therefore I don't have the last call, right? And I don't have the next moment. I have this one. So what is this moment taking, asking of me? What's it calling for? What, you know, who do I need to be? What do I need to say? What do I need to do? And so if you if you approach it, you know, as though I have a fresh and unique opportunity and approach based on every interaction with the customer and everything I'm hearing and seeing, um, my job is just to basically give information, right? You know, in its purest form, without the bias, without the judgment. And if they get triggered by it, you, you can always apologize. Well, I'd say I apologize on behalf of, you know, of over-communicating, but I'd rather over-communicate and give you all the information you need to make an informed and intelligent decision than only give you a part of the information, then you make a judgment call and a decision to go in a certain direction, only to find out maybe sometime later that it wasn't the direction you wanted to go, and had you known everything, you maybe would have made a different decision. Right. So I always like to say that it takes maybe a little bit longer than it should, but a little, excuse me, a little bit more time uh, than you expected, but maybe not as long as, you know, uh, no less time than it should. Right, right, right. So if you can kind of focus in on that, and that holds true with money too, it may cost a little bit more than you expected, but never less than it should. Right, right, good point, good point. Uh, let's talk about the importance, uh, Gary touched on this earlier, the training part of this, the daily huddle, the ongoing training, uh, we're laying out some expectations for technicians that we have as managers and owners in the industry. Uh, how important is, uh, is it that we make the resources available in terms of training and motivation, the daily huddle, that type of thing? How important is that to make sure that our guys have the tools they need and the motivation to execute on a consistent basis? Gary, you want to take that first? Yeah, I think training is the cornerstone of how you know implement process. So um, if you repeat uh, you know the same thing over and over again, that builds competency. It builds a level of trust around the idea. So 
call by call management is a popular terminology that people are using right now, and so I think that's part of it. I think you know technician ride-alongs with your service manager, your operations manager, or the owner, whomever is managing the process there with the techs. And I think the daily huddle for me is about making sure that the guys understand that, hey, today's a great day, it's an opportunity, and we're all blessed to have it, so let's make the most of it. So huddles aren't a place where we're gonna spend an awful lot of time and deal with specific training. It's more or less you know, getting people in a position to be in a happy place and focused on what is uh, core for the day. Uh, so to me, then, the, there's technical and then there's client experience, and I think those are two different kinds of disciplines. And I think a company needs to establish a training regimen around each of those concepts. We're not going to talk about uh, flame rectification you know, on gas furnaces and, and how that works while we're, the next minute we're going to be talking about how Wally's doing and how do we get trust. Right, right. I mean, those two things are super important, both of them on their own, but they don't go hand in hand. So I think part of that conversation has to be how does the company want to set up its training calendar? Yep. How does it want to approach the investment of that time and energy? And yeah, you know, it's a cliche, you know, what happens if we train them and they leave? Right. Well, what happens if we don't train them and they stay? Right. Um, you know, we've heard that a thousand times. And I, I think training becomes uh, critical for this kind of process. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think there was a time probably 15, 20 years ago where to be a top performing technician, you just had to be really great technically, right? Great technician. Now the expectation is you're a great communicator yeah. as well as a great technician. And so there's got to be training around both of those things. And I agree with Gary, they need to be separate. Uh, Drew, final thoughts on this, just in terms of the importance of the training and the ongoing support. Yeah, no, I mean, just touch on both, but both of, what you, of what you both said, which is, you know, yeah, my job is to fix the equipment. It's also to fix the customer, um, you know, number one. Number two is... The daily huddles are great because it gives you the idea, you know, the opportunity to take the pulse of your people, right, and find out. So if you, if they're not resetting themselves, call to call. At least you can do it on a day-to-day -day basis and check in with them personally, professionally. Where are they, and, and and see where are they in their headspace. And then, lastly, Gary talked about you know the training builds that competence, and what competence builds is confidence, right? And so if I have confidence, confidence is transferable. And if I can then give the customer confidence in me and my company and our products and our services, right, then they become convinced. See, my job is not. To convince the customer. My job is to be so convinced that the customer convinces themselves. Right. Right. And I think that's what this all comes down to is having you know, the tools, the training, the technology, as well as the ongoing support and communication and repetition, like Carrie mentioned, uh, you know, that we develop that muscle and that skill. Awesome. So just to recap, listen, the mindset and preparation you put into a call is critical. You got to focus on the customer's needs. You got to got to clear the mechanism, as Drew talked about. Uh, you got to make sure you're focused on the relationship, as Gary talked about. And you have to, you know, begin with the end in mind. Visualize these great outcomes. Visualize, you know, offering multiple options, multiple solutions for the homeowners and for your owners and managers out there. Don't forget the importance of training, ongoing support for your people. In our next video, part two of this series, we're going to be talking about doing a comprehensive evaluation, a comprehensive diagnostic. Until then, my friends, bye bye for now. Thank you.